high. What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode twelve. It's it's been a while. Well, I'm not gonna lie. It's been it's been a little while, um, but I am excited to be doing this episode. Um, it's just been kind of crazy lately for me, um, and it's not even like it's been crazy but chill at the same time. Um, hey, let me just break that down for you. I went back to work recently, and not even recently, probably like a month and a half ago. Whenever I uploaded my last episode of the podcast, I went back to work like the next day. And um, going back to work gives me less time to do things like this podcast. And I could do it when I get home, but, you know, there's other things that I, I would like to do as well to get done. And it's, um, it's, it is difficult to, uh, to balance everything, but I guess that is, um, that's also life. So um, I've also just kind of give you a little update on, on what's going on with me. Um, recently, lightning has struck twice in my life. Um, back in August of like 2019, um, I was getting ready to join the United States Marine Corps. And then, um, earlier that year, back, uh, in November, 2018, I had surgery on my right shoulder from a football injury. And I was, uh, DQ'd from the Marines cause I had to get a shoulder surgery and it took like eight months for them to finally decide to DQ me. So that's a little annoying, but, um, then uh, I tried to do it again. I tried to re- uh, re-enlist, try and get all that done, and they DQ'd me again. So, um, and that happened like probably maybe a month ago. Um, it was like the first week that I was back to work. But either way, so that's been happening for me. I've been trying to figure things out. Um, and yeah, so I'm just kind of chilling right now. I'm working. I'm trying to maybe explore different branches of military. I really want to do that kind of thing because um, I just feel like, you know, I just feel like I should. I feel like it's a good thing, and it's also a good way to kind of get out and go explore and do other things. Um, and even if I don't like it, you know, it's whatever. It's four years of your life, you know. If you live a f- good full life, you know, it's it's not that big a deal. But um, so, yeah, that's been kind of what's going on. Um, I've been trying to, you know, do a t- like a Twitch stream going on on uh, playing some games. Uh, if you guys know what Twitch is, um, it's a like a website where you can broadcast yourself live to people playing uh, video games or even just chatting. Um, it could be like a live podcast type thing um, if you want. Or you can sit there and just chat with viewers. There's a whole little chat section in the side there. So I've just been kind of doing that. Um, and I've been trying to get that to work out. I've just been playing games. Uh, going to work and just kind of hanging out, trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing here. Um, but we're gonna hop right back. We're gonna hop into the podcast now because there's not a ton of stuff to talk about. Like there is a lot of stuff recently, which is great. Um, but to dive in deep of the, uh, to some of these topics is a little difficult because it's just kind of very like straightforward. Um, unless you super look into them and you like almost have to make up your own scenarios, which is possible. But um, right now I'm just kind of giving my quick take on everything. So. Right away, being a Cowboys fan, I'm very frustrated. I am going. I'm going to talk about Dak Prescott just for just for a little bit, okay? Um, because they still the Cowboys have not reached a deal with Dak Prescott, and it's becoming very, very, very annoying. Because personally, you know, I do like Dak Prescott on the field. I think he is a good player. I think he is just on the cusp of becoming a great player. I really do, you know, and there's going to be people out there who, you know, will just straight up, they won't admit that they don't like the Cowboys, and that's why they decide to, you know, say, oh, well, Dex this, Dex that, look at his stat line. His stat line's fine. Um, he just hasn't really shown up in the playoff games and whatnot. And I feel like that's why I say, that's why I say that I really feel like he's just on the cusp of getting there. 
So I, I've been really, really giving him the uh, the benefit of the doubt. And even like Cowboys legends like uh, like Michael Irvin has been giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying, you know, that Dak really has, you know, shown up for the Cowboys. And he's really, he has. He has, you know, given the Cowboys a lot to be happy about. But the one thing that he, they, he hasn't given us to be happy about is, you know, a deep playoff run or a Super Bowl appearance, which is, you know, it, sadly in today's NFL, you're not really anything if you don't do that, it's just not, it's, it's just, that's just how it is. Um, but you know, in my, in my notes here, I, I was very angry and I was writing about it and I said to the Cowboys that they should stop playing with him. Um, and you know, just, you know, finally decide do or don't, but that's just not going to happen. And I don't really feel that way. Um, I just really want to get all this drama out of the, out of the way because we had this drama with Demarcus Lawrence. We had this drama with Ezekiel Elliott. We had a little taste of this drama with Amari Cooper and I'm over it. I really am. But I do, I really want to, I really want Dak to play for the Dallas Cowboys. I really think that he is a good player and you know, Andy Dalton's a seasoned veteran. Sure. But I don't want Andy Dalton as my quarterback. I really don't. Um, I'd rather him be a mentor to Dak than on the field. Um, Because his recent play just wasn't convincing. You know, you can't tell me it was. Um, I did write in here that Dak decides, uh, needs to decide what he wants more, money or playing time. Um, And that's, you know, whatever. You know, it's very, very short thought process you know not that complex um because there are players out there who you know hold out for certain for very good reasons um you know Dak one of the reasons he's holding out is because not only is it not enough money that they're offering him that he feels like but it's also he's not looking for a long-term deal and the Cowboys are looking to lock him up for a long-term deal so you know there there is uh those factors but I just, you know, there are sometimes, and especially just in recent memory, there are just players who I just feel like, you know, that, you know, once they reach the top, you know, once they make the big leagues and then, you know, they're in the conversation for the big, for the big contracts, they either ask way too much or they just become children about it. And it's just annoying. And I really don't want to see it happen with the Cowboys, but, you know, it's unfortunately, I feel like it's happening now. Dak does have valid reasons to, you know, be super stubborn, but it's just Jesus Christ, man. Um, and, you know, I did write in here as well that, you know, this, this behavior is the opposite of what the media painted Dak as in his rookie season. And that was basically just like a golden child. Um, but once again, like these notes are all, a lot of them are, um, are just like angry notes. You know, I don't really, uh, believe that, but I do, um, I do, I do just wish that, you know, as a Cowboys fan, we go back to the simpler days where, you know, it was just, you know, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott running all over the NFL. Um, and, you know, everybody, I feel like, wants that for their teams. Um, but, you know, the guys do the, – the guy, I think, does deserve a large sum of money. Um, there are people out there, you know, like I said, that are going to be like, oh, well, he hasn't, he hasn't won anything. Why does he deserve a large sum of money? He has, you know, shown great improvement. He shows that he can really be a franchise quarterback. So I'm not saying – I don't agree with, you know, like – with like thirty-five plus million dollars, I don't agree with that, but I do think that he uh, he does deserve a a decent contract because you know the guys really just put his heart and soul into Dallas. Uh, we're gonna be talking about a lot of UFC today, um, and that's where this might get a little short because um, the UFC is a part of sports that I am one hundred percent interested in. I've I've liked the UFC for a while, um, but I have just recently I would I, recently I'd probably say like maybe a year ago, really kinda kept up with the UFC. Um and I'm still, you know, very ignorant to a lot of uh, a lot of things. I've always been interested in combat sports, but there's just a lot of things that I am ignorant to. 
Um, but recently, we're going to be talking about, um, real quick, before I want to talk about UFC 250, but real quick, I want to talk about 249. Um, I was completely 100% dead wrong about uh, Justin Gaethje losing to Tony Ferguson. I really thought that he was going to not be able to, you know, hang with Tony Ferguson. I thought Tony Ferguson was going to be able to, I didn't know if he was going to be able to strike with it, with uh, Justin Gage or I, I thought Justin Gagey was going to be the superior when it came to striking with Tony Ferguson. That's what I was trying to say. I had a little brain fart for a second, but um, I did think that Tony Ferguson was going to try and maybe take Gagey to the ground and, um, you know, beat him there, but that just didn't happen. Um, and Gagey did win it fair and square. Um, and, uh, Ferguson, you know, was a class act when it came to losing, you know, and, uh, there were videos, um, the next day or two of Tony Ferguson. I think it was before surgery for, uh, for his orbital, um, where he, you know, he was just dancing, you know, dancing in the, in the hospital room. So, you know, you know, that's good. You never want somebody to get hurt and then be like a sore loser, but you can understand. Um, but I almost felt like, you know, it was Justin Gaethje's match to kind of show like, yeah, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, you know. I almost, you know, because you have all your big names. You have the name Tony Ferguson. You got Conor McGregor. You got Khabib all around Justin Gaethje. And you kind of, kind of sit there and you're kind of like, who the hell is Justin Gaethje? Unless you're really, really paying attention to UFC. Um, and, you know, Justin Gaethje just, he lit it up and he really showed, yeah, I'm here. Um, whether or not he'll be able to stand with Khabib like he did with Ferguson and he'll be able to kind of uh, take Khabib out, um, we'll see uh, when it comes. I think in July is probably when that fight's going to go down. Um, but, you know, the the sad part is um, is that effect of that fight um, also caused um, Conor McGregor to join the, the group of UFC drama with uh, John Jones and uh, Jorge Masvidal because uh, Conor McGregor recently came out with his third retirement uh, announcement from the U.S. or from MMA. Um, so uh, not a lot of people are taking it seriously, but because McGregor's reasons is he's basically bored. You know, there's not a lot of fights that interest him. Um, you know, and there's no title fight really in sight for him because you know you got Justin Gaethje uh, fighting Khabib. You know, Ferguson might have might still be up there. Um, because that fight being canceled between Khabib and Ferguson being canceled for like the sixth time or something like that. Um, you know, Dana White's probably pretty hell bent on wanting to get that happen to happen. But, you know, Conor McGregor just said, you know, he's just bored. You know, there's nothing for him right now out there. And he knows that. Um, and, you know, when uh, somebody like Conor McGregor, who knows what's out there for himself, he just does. You know, that's how he's gotten so rich and famous as he is, is he's, he's a very opportunistic person. Um, when he says that there's nothing out there for him, there's probably not a lot in sight for him. So, um, whether or not he, um, stays retired, you know, and he's like really 100% about this retirement announcement is, uh, just off of the air. I have no idea, but, um, you know, I hope not. I would really love to see him back in the octagon. Um, so on top of that, you know, Dana White, one of his, you know, greatest, and, you know, most profitable stars uh, decides that he's all done. Um, like I said, he joins John Jones and Jorge Masvidal. Um, John Jones is basically saying that he wants to vacate the title and take some time off. Um, and that's mainly for a financial reason. You know, he just didn't feel like he was getting enough money because the UFC wants to make this big. He wants to they want Jones to go up to heavyweight. And they want him to have a super fight with Francis Ngannou, which would be an absolutely insane fight. That'd probably be one of the biggest fights ever. Um, Ngannou just being an absolute, you know, knockout artist, just an, like a 
absolute unit of a person and John Jones being considered one of the greatest fighters of all time. Um, so I would love to see it. I would love to see it, but you know, financially John Jones just didn't, uh, feel that the, the money that he was being given to move up to heavyweight and fight Francis Ngannou was worth it. Um, and you know, that's, that's fair, I guess. Um, I really hate, um, when things like that get put on hold for financial reasons, you know, I was just talking about it with Dak Prescott, you know, and these players and their financial stuff and these fighters and their financial stuff. But, you know, when it comes to UFC, um, or not just UFC, but, uh, these super fights, you know, they, they, they can pull in a lot of money, um, especially a lot more money than, you know, a football game can, or just like a football contract can. So, you know, if John Jones feels like he's lowballing it cause he knows his worth and he knows how popular Francis Ngannou is right now, it makes a little bit of sense. Um, but he said he was willing to lake, uh, vacate the light heavyweight title and uh, take some time off before, you know, they could work something out. Um, and Jorge Masvidal uh, recently tweeted out on Friday, this past Friday, I believe it was, um, that he wants to be released from his UFC contract. Um, he just he was supposed to get a fight with uh, Karu Usman. I always mess up his name for the welterweight title last July. But uh, or this coming July, sorry. Uh, but negotiations basically just like hit the skids and uh, wasn't going to happen. And it's just another financial issue for the UFC, um, which is really too bad because Jorge Masvidal versus Usman, whether it be, you know, just a one sided fight for Usman or a one sided fight for Masvidal, um, I think it'd be a great fight to see. Um, next up, we're also going to be now we're going to be getting into UFC 250. Um UFC 250, I uh, you know I always I always love the the monumental I would say kind of uh, UFC events like I really got into it um, at UFC 200. Um, I felt like you know just like for some reason you know those certain numbers um, they hold a lot. Um, you know obviously UFC 200 they had you know a big deal of it because it's you know it's a 200th UFC event. It's you know it's insane. Um, you know how long how far they've come. Um, and 250 was also special. Um, they may, they may not have made such a big deal of it, um, especially with the whole coronavirus situation. Um, but it also became a big a deal for Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez once again, uh, retained her feather, her featherweight title from Felicia Spencer. Um, Nunez set the tone out of the fight coming right away. She was just out striking, uh, Spencer right away. She, in the first round alone, um, she outnumbered her in significant strikes, 21 to two, which, you know, if that doesn't set the tone for a fight, I, I honestly, I really don't know what does. Um, and you know, Spencer's a ground, a ground fighter. She's very good with her takedowns and she'll take you to the ground, tire you out and just, you know, beat you up or put you in a submission. But Nunez beat her at her own game and she, uh, blocked all seven of Spencer's, uh, takedown attempts. And she even scored six takedowns of her own. Which is just if it doesn't show if that doesn't show the the versatility of somebody like Amanda Nunez who you know is known for for just dominating performances and you know some big knockouts like on Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm or not 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 knockout uh, she knocked out Holly Holmes right yeah yeah I believe she knocked yeah yeah she 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 defeated Holly Holmes I can't remember if she knocked her out or not but that's uh, here and there she she has very dominating performances against some of the best female fighters in the UFC so she she definitely has shown that she has it and she just keeps showing it again and again and again and it's very impressive she continually just shows great speed and strength on the ground and standing up uh, she has defeats over you know UFC division icons like Holly Holmes Misha Tate 
uh, Chris Cyborg, who everybody thought was the GOAT before her, um, and Valentina Venchenko. I'm, I butchered that name every single time. Um, and she's, she's actually, she's only one of two of Valentina's only losses in the UFC, which is also just another great feat for her. And she also even, uh, defeated another previous women's goat greatest of all time, Ronda Rousey, and just absolutely mauled her. So, you know, Amanda Nunez just really has the resume. And um, when it comes into women's GOAT discussions, um, I think it is Amanda Nunez. I don't think anybody can argue that. But this recent title defense, for some reason, um, it not only sparked conversation on the Internet, um, but it also sparked conversation kind of like in my head with myself. Um, does Amanda Nunez belong in the women's greatest of all time, or does she belong in the conversation of greatest of all time in MMA? Um, because just because she's a woman doesn't mean that, you know, just, you know, having all the the right assets and all the great abilities doesn't mean that she can't belong in the conversation with people like GSP, John Jones, and Anderson Silva, you know, just to name a few of them. Um, and I think she does. I really think she does. Her uh, Just her constant uh, and continuous, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, just her constant and continuous uh, production. It's just, it's unbelievable, and I feel like, personally, for me, that's what makes somebody the greatest at something, you know, if you can have somebody who, if there's ever somebody who can have greater consistency and production than Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or LeBron James, you know, then they can be up there considered one of the greatest, um, somebody like Tim Duncan, you know what I mean, but if you, that, that constant, uh, constant production, and, you know, just, like, delivering is, is what I think really puts you up there. You know, you don't have to be super flashy. You know, they don't have to be knockout fights. But if you can constantly just show that you are dominant and that you know what the hell is going on and that you're good at it, I, don't, I really don't see I really don't see why you shouldn't belong up there. Um, and just to finish up a little bit about UFC 250, I'm going to butcher this guy's first name. I heard it the other day and I heard it during the fight, but I keep forgetting how to say it. Uh, Al Aljamani Sterling, I think it is. I, I probably butchered that. Um, he picked up an impressive win over uh, Corey San Sanhagen, uh, making Sanhagen tap in only 98 seconds, um, which is very impressive, um, considering it was Sanhagen's only loss in the UFC. Um, and that really is prompting Sterling to want a title shot as he sits number two in the Bantamweight division. Obviously, the Bantamweight division was just recently vacated. Um, but the Bantamweight title is going to be fought uh, between Jose Aldo and Pat. No, I don't even want to try the other guy's uh, name. I can't really. It's like three letters. Um, but either way, um, in July, that uh, the vacant title will be uh, fought for. Um, but he definitely deserves a title shot right after that. The guy is on fire. He's been just knocking people out, making people submit. He's just constantly, just like uh, on Nunez, I'm not saying he's like the greatest like Nunez, but I'm just saying his constant production is over and over and over, and it's just it's very convincing. So I think he should totally get a title fight. Um, and also staying in the Bantamweight division is a recent, or not recent, a previous champion, Cody Garbrandt, picked up an impressive knockout win, um, which is good for him because after three fights where he was the knockout victim, I think in all three of them, um, he finally picked up a win, um, and Garbrandt is a very entertaining fighter, I feel. Um, I remember I paid really close attention to him, um, especially after his win over Dominic Cruz. Um, I think everybody did, um, especially since he was a champion after that fight, but he's just a very, he's a very fun fighter to watch. Um, he's entertaining, and Cody Garbrandt, I hope he makes his way back up to the top. I'd love to see him back up there. 
Um, and lastly, Sean O'Malley, one of my favorite, favorite fighters to not only follow on social media, but also to watch his fights. He is very, he's just very impressive. Um, he knocked out Eddie Wineland in the first round, uh, super convincing right hand. Um, and he just continues to rise in fame in the UFC. He's a very young fighter. So no, I don't think he should get a title fight right now, obviously, but he just keeps getting better and better and better. And I love it. He's just, he's so funny. He's, he's hilarious. I love Sean O'Malley. He's a really good personality for the UFC and I, I can't wait to see where he goes. Um, and we're going to go back a couple weeks now. Um, we're going to go back to the, uh, to UFC. What was it? It was just like, it was just a fight night. I think it was. Um, but it was a big fight night for, uh, Burns, uh, Gilbert Burns and Tyron Woodley. Um, and we're only talking about this fight out of, out of that, uh, that whole series of events. But Gilbert Burns had a dominating win over Tyron Woodley. Like, I mean dominating. He just absolutely, he I think it was last weekend, sorry. Um, he nearly knocked out Woodley in the first round. He rocked him and just kept going. Um, Burns landed 83 significant strikes on Woodley and just overall beat the hell out of him, which is, you know, impressive because Woodley is a collegiate wrestler, yeah. But um, Gilbert Burns is also more of a ground uh, fighter. He's just he'll take his takedowns are very very clean very technical and very strong, um, and he just he just beat Woodley standing up. It was very impressive. Um, so that 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 kind of begged the question to me because you know with with the uh, momentum that Gilbert Burns has right now, um, should he get a title shot? I think so. Gilbert Burns is he has momentum right now. Is a very convincing win over Tyron Woodley. It dropped Woodley from first to four, uh, number one contender to uh, the fourth rank contender. So I yeah I would say he, that he definitely should get a title shot. Um, I don't know when it'll be. I don't even know if they'll give him one. You know with the whole Jorge Masvidal situation that we talked about earlier, they might give him a title shot first because Masvidal what has been sitting him at number two for a while. Um, he did kind of. He did drop uh, down uh, because Colby, Colby Covington is now ranked um, number two. But I don't know. Um, I would really like to see Gilbert Burns, especially right now, fight Karo Usman. Whether or not he wins um, is different, but Usman is just a solid guy. Um, he's a very talented fighter, but so is Gilbert Burns. Um, and I, w I would love to just see him kind of ride this wave and just maybe get a title shot and possibly even take it. Um, and so next, we're going to be finishing up this podcast with the NHL and the NBA set to return finally after like two and a half months, three months almost. Uh, we finally have plans to return back to play. I'm so, so excited. Um, especially, you know, when I, and I love it too, is that I was just starting to get into the NHL when they started, when they closed the NHL down, I was really starting to get into it, starting to follow it. And now I have had the time to kind of sit back and follow, um, and learn a little bit more about it. And I'm excited to watch, um, the NHL's, uh, playoff situation. Um, so we'll start with the NHL. Um, they decided to have a 24 team tournament for the Stanley cup. Um, 12 teams from each division. Uh, the top four teams will be playing at a round robin, and the other eight uh, teams will be in a bracketed qualification round. Uh, they have how many cities? I think like seven cities, six cities um, that can be like their big hub cities where they have kind of uh, hoped to put every team, um, like every game in, um, which is Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, uh, yeah, Minneapolis, uh, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. Um, I don't know if they'll do Minneapolis with um, all the recent things, with all the recent riots and stuff going on. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, 
those will be like the big hubs for practice facilities in their games. Um, and I'm just honestly, I'm excited to watch it this year. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and it's finally, you know, it's coming back. It really is. It's just coming back. And I'm so, so happy about it. Um, the NBA it will be held in Orlando uh, strictly uh, so far that I've read. Um, it will feature 22 teams, eight regular season games, and a postseason, um, and a play-in tournament for for the latter teams. But um, the NBA chose the 22 teams based on uh, due to the money. Um, if they had went with 16 teams, uh, the loss of money that the NBA would have had would have been like 645 million. Um, but they cut the money basically in half um, by adding uh, the six other uh, yeah six other teams to cutting it to about 300 million um which is very impressive um they also did it to allow teams within six games of a playoff spot um to have a chance of snagging it and some of the teams that are in here um are very questionable um but they honestly they do have a chance to snag a spot in the play-in tournament if they're at like that desperate of a level um but the teams that are going to be in it are going to be the bucks the lakers the raptors the clippers the celtics the nuggets the jazz the heat the thunder the rockets the pacers the 76ers the mavericks the grizzlies the nets the magic the blazers the pelicans kings spurs wizards and Suns. if you picked up all that i hope your team is in there if you're listening to this um uh, but I'm I am I'm really excited for it to come back. Um, I'm happy that they're also giving these uh, these bottom teams uh, a chance to maybe snag a spot or get into the play-in tournament and find their find their way into the playoffs. Um, it's just it's a really great thing that they're doing. It kind of gives a little glimmer of hope, if you know what I mean, um, just because of everything that's been going on, um, and especially with everything going on with the riots and stuff like that. I'm not gonna sit here and. Um, to give you some big political message. Um, there's another question that I saw today was, um, you know, should the NFL um, give Colin Kaepernick a chance or should teams consider Colin Ka- Kaepernick um, more for a player on their team, uh, especially after all the riots and stuff? And he basically, he didn't stand alone um, back in, I think, 2016 with his Black Lives Matter um, protests, but uh, he definitely was the sole, you know, uh character for it he was the voice um should, should the nfl uh, reconsider uh that's entirely up to the teams in my in my opinion um there there are like the nfl i don't think really has that much jurisdiction over the teams i don't think so at least um and i don't think roger goodell would advise teams to not have colin kaepernick on their teams i don't think i i really i don't know i'm not in the situation i have no idea but um, it's completely up to the teams. I mean, in Cap's workout, um, and that's the thing that I really care about, Cap's workout, okay? You know, because I could sit here and go on a political rant about how I feel about all this stuff, but I'm not going to um, because I'd rather worry about, you know, the, the playing aspect. Um, but Cap's workout, you know, he's, he showed that he still had his arm um, from what I saw. And, you know, as long as the, – the only thing for me is that as long as the NFL doesn't turn into some big political situation – and we can just stay with sports and what we love. And it's basically because that's what, that's what football is. That's what sports are, is to get away from all the bullshit. You know what I mean? So as long as, you know, it stays out of that, I understand the message is good. And the the intent is pure, I would say. Um, but I would just really hate for the entire NFL to turn into some political message. I would hate, I understand, okay? I'm kind of I'm kind of drifting a little bit here. I'm ranting a little bit. But I would hate to see, like, Drew Brees' offensive line turn on him and let him get, like, hurt 
or something, and I doubt that'll happen. But, you know, I would hate to see that happen for a political reason. It's like, you know, we're here to we're here to watch football. We're here to play football. You know, we're not here to make a political statement. And I understand. I understand, you know, the I understand the, the hurt. I understand the reasoning. And I get it. I get it. I get it. I really do. And I feel for everybody. And I, 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 I get it. But it just feels, you know, like it's the it's the exact thing that, you know, I go to that I think a lot of people go to sports to get away from. Um, and it's just it's it it's really it it heart it, it's like a heartbreaking situation when something like that happens. And, you know, I am fully like invested in the whole LeBron James movement of like, you know, more than a player um, or like more than basketball or I can't remember what the name of the movement was. And, you know, I do feel that it's important for players to speak out and, um, you know, give their ideas on what the situations are because they do have a huge, a huge influence on today's youth and just today's world. But I also, you know, I would hate for it to turn into like a whole, you know, political only situation. You know, I don't want to sound rude or, you know, um, insensitive when I say that I don't want sports to turn into a political situation. Um, but you know, that's, it's what we, what's what we do. It's what we do to get away from. Um, and it's just, I don't know, like I, I want the players to have their influence and I want them to have, you know, their ideas and their thoughts. I really think those are important, but I also just don't want it to turn into, you know, that kind of situation where, you know, this player's not performing well because they said something and their teammates don't, won't, like, agree with it, so they won't oblige by it. Um, and I feel like that might have happened to Colin Kaepernick a little bit. Once again, I don't know. Um, that, that could have been a reason for some teams. You know, they just didn't want the drama or whatnot. But um, I just really hope that, you know, as a – as as a world as a community and even as a fan base for you know certain sports um just in all of it we can you know kind of get over we can not get over it not over this but um we can become more you know we can become more accepting we can become better people we can become um more sensitive to topics and whatnot and I, I i work on it too i'm not saying that i'm like the most sensitive person to to certain topics i do find myself a lot of times kind of sitting back and be like damn i probably should have treated that a little bit better um but you know i feel i just really hope that you know once all this is over um once the rioting is sorted out once the protests um have calmed down and i hope change comes i hope um that everybody is more accepting of others i hope everybody is just more evolved and i hope everybody feels like more equal um but that also kind of segues right into something that I want to tell you about because we're we're at the end of the podcast here. But next week, um, it's either going to be this weekend or maybe the next weekend. I'm not really sure, um, but it will be soon. It's not going to be like six weeks from now, like I like I uh, like I've been doing. <laughs> um, but I do have a friend coming on uh, the podcast, um, and I'm basically just going to be asking him. It's this is not going to be a sports podcast. The next one. Um, it's, I'm going to be asking him just, you know, what it's like um, growing up in America being um, being black um, or a person of color, whatever you prefer. Um, but, you know, and, you know, I just because I feel like it is a thing that um, should be talked about more, especially with the, the recent actions that have come to light. Um, and, you know, it, once again, it's not going to become in and become some huge political situation. You know, we're going to sit there and bicker about things because I, I doubt I'll, I'll bicker with anybody about anything. Um, because it's not my spot to sit there and fight with anybody about, um, but you know, this guy, I've also known him for a couple of years now, I think probably, what are we going on? Like five years, four years, 
three years, something like that. I don't remember, but I've known him for a little while. He's a super nice guy. Um, he's very supportive of me. He's always retweeting my podcast um, tweets whenever I send them out. Um, yeah, he's just very supportive. Um, he's very sophisticated, I would say. Um, and, you know, I feel like it's going to be a good time to just kind of talk and kind of, um, especially for me, I'm somebody who grew up in an area where there wasn't, um, I wouldn't say there, I didn't meet a ton of people, um, who were black. Like I, I met people who were black and I met people who were colored, um, or whatever they prefer. I'm not trying to sound rude. Um, uh, but you know, I have met people, um, and I have made good friends with all those people that I met, especially during high school. I met a lot of people, um, who were black in high school, um, and, or just even of other nationality, um, in high school. And I feel like me as a person, I've been, I've been, I'm, I'm proud of the way that I've been able to build relationships with those people. I really am. Um, but I also feel that, you know, being, I, I live in a more rural area, you know, not always, there's not a lot of people, uh, there's not a lot of diversity of where I am, but there's also not a lot of people general. Um, so I do feel like, um, it is important for, you know, for not only myself, but also maybe for people who grow up around the area that I grew up in, that I grew up in, um, to maybe kind of get a, kind of get like a perspective of the other side. I wouldn't say the other side, that's kind of rude, but you know, the, the perspective of, you know, what it's like, you know, whether or not, you know, the person that I'm talking to has experienced, you know, oppression or anything like that, you know? Uh, firsthand, you know, but it's still, I feel like it's important to talk about that kind of thing. Um, and I just, I, yeah, that's, that's basically, that sums it up. I just feel like it's important. Um, you know, this is, this is my show. Um, and I just think having that on my show would be just, it would be a great thing. I would feel I would have such fulfillment in myself knowing that I was able to put that together. Um, and I really hope that you guys tune into it and listen to it because it's just, it's not going to be a political issue. We're not going to sit here and denounce police officers or whatever. Um, we're just going to, we're just going to be talking, you know, we're just going to be talking about his experience and my experience and how they differ and how they might not differ a little bit. Um, but that's just basically the, that's the whole gist of it. Um, I hope you guys have a great day, night, morning, whatever the hell you're doing right now. I hope you have a great one. Thank you so much for tuning into the Boom Deep Podcast. I'm sorry for the wait or the wait distance, you know, laziness from me, whatever. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the flip side.